Great to be here this morning. How are we all doing? Are we all right? If you're a uh, friend and family of those uh, getting baptised, it's great to have you here. You are so welcome. Um, you're probably thinking, what have I come to? This is a bit weird, a bit strange. Um, this is just how we do church. And um, it's a kind of, I like to call it shabby chic. It's, um, it's, it's, it's great. And I love, I love what God's doing here. He's uh, moving powerfully. Um, he's changing lives. And um, baptisms are an expression of what God's doing amongst us as a people. Um, so it's been exciting, isn't it? What an exciting morning so far. Um, I'm, you're going to be pleased I'm only going to preach for about 10, 15 minutes. Okay, normally I preach for half an hour to 40 minutes, um, but I'm going to try and squash it all down. Um, so there we go. And, and what I want to look at this morning briefly is the need to tell people good news. As a family, we've recently come back from a 10-day holiday, and since we've been away... Boris has resigned. No, this is not, I don't get a political campaign here, people cheering. Sadly, the Japanese ex-prime minister was assassinated. Heat waves and forest fires have hit Europe. There's been huge political strife in Sri Lanka. And there's been more shootings in America. And, and you just think, gosh, in 10 days, all of that happened. And, um, you know, you're kind of scared to turn the news on at the moment. Because there's just not much good news going on. But this morning, we need to know that as God's people, we have the best news ever. And, and to be honest, it's news that we should never keep to ourselves. Fritz Kreisler. Anybody heard of Fritz Kreisler? He was a world-famous famous violinist who earned a fortune with his concerts and compositions. But he generously gave most of it away. So when he discovered an exquisite violin on one of his trips, he wasn't able to buy it. And later, having raised enough money to meet the asking price, he returned to the seller, hoping to purchase the beautiful instrument. But to his great dismay, it had been sold to a collector. Chrysler made his way to the new owner's home and offered to buy the violin. The collector said it had become his prized possession and he would not sell it. Keenly disappointed, Chrysler was, was about to leave when he had an idea. Could I play the instrument once more before it's consigned to silence? He asked. Permission was granted and the great virtuoso filled the room with such heart-moving music that the collector's emotions were deeply stirred. I have no right to keep that to myself, he exclaimed. It's yours, Mr. Chrysler. Take it into the world and let people hear it. And that's kind of just a glimpse of the reality that the good news that we have as God's people cannot be consigned to the museum of four walls. It has to be told. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says this. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. And then Romans 1 says this, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ, it is the power of God at work 
saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And lastly, in Romans 10, verse 8, it says this, The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And I'm going to stop there. We live in a world where news travels so quickly, particularly with social media and the internet. Everything is immediate. I don't know if you find that. You know, as soon as my WhatsApp pings, I kind of want to look at what's going on. News comes at a fast and furious rate. However, as Christians, even though we have the best news, it's often the slowest news to be heard. And that's often because we make it more complicated than it really is. Or we lack confidence in our ability to communicate the message well. Or we think that it's our responsibility to make other people believe the message. Or is that we just don't feel qualified to tell people. I don't know where you sit with all of that. And it's easy to look at someone like the great Apostle Paul, who wrote what I just read, and think it's easy for him because he just knew what to do. But actually, in the first passage, it says, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. You think, hang on a moment, that doesn't seem right. Here's the great Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, and he says, I came to you weak, timid and trembling. And when I read that, I think, oh, thank goodness for that. Because that's me. You know, the thought of telling people sometimes the good news makes me shake with fear. Well, the great thing is I'm in good company. The great news is that actually Paul was exactly like me. So how did he see the things he saw and achieve what he achieved? Well, when you read the next couple of verses, you'll understand. He says that my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive words, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Paul realized that his message wasn't reliant on his own power and his own clever words, but it was totally reliant on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the good news this morning for us who believe. The reality is that we don't have much to say at all. In fact, I'm not that clever. I don't really have much wisdom. I know you find it shocking, but it's true. I don't have much wisdom. But the reality is I have the power of the Holy Spirit living in me to take the very few words that I have and bring it to people's lives to transform them. I remember when I was around 18 or 19, I went to Haywood's Heath to join a church and serve on a team for a year there. And I stayed with a family who had two teenage children. And the oldest was probably about my age, 18 or 19. And he wasn't a Christian. He didn't know Jesus. And um, 
I used to find it really hard to talk to him. He just was quite closed. You know, he, he didn't really open up. He didn't really talk much. And um, I found it really hard to connect to him. And then one night when I was the last one up, he came home from being out with his mates and he came into the lounge. And I could tell very quickly that he'd been drinking quite a bit. And he just sat down and he just started pouring out his heart to me. He talked and talked and talked and he told me all the stuff that was going on in his life. It was like he was a completely different person. And it was like the alcohol in his system just loosened him up and just bypassed his brain so he was able just to speak his heart. And at the time, I thought it's really sad that it took a drink to give him the confidence to open up because drinking really is an artificial fix of something that God wants to do in us. But the reality is that's where he was at. And, and what Paul is saying here is actually, I don't have anything to say. I'm quite close. But when the Holy Spirit, when the power of God comes upon me, I'm able to be free in the Spirit to speak. And, and the reality is that without the Holy Spirit, we have nothing to give. And it's only the Holy Spirit in me that has the ability to communicate to people's hearts. So you may be here this morning thinking, I haven't got no ability to communicate God's word to people. Well, great. That's how it should be. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be like dynamite. You're going to have the ability to speak and connect with people. Paul recognized that in and of himself, he had nothing to offer but his success in preaching the gospel was entirely down to the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul explains that the message he preached was a plain and simple message. Brothers and sisters, we don't have a very clever message. It's very plain. But we have to go to our last passage to see what this message was of Paul's. In Romans 10, it says the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. This is the simplicity of the gospel. It is simple. But don't be fooled into thinking that just by reciting this, means that you're saved. We need to understand the context into which Paul's speaking. So Paul is addressing people living in Rome. And the heart of the, Ro the ruling empire was Rome. So by law in Rome, you had to make the emperor lord of your life. So Caesar would have been lord. You would have to bow the knee to Caesar. So hopefully you're getting the picture here. Paul is saying that in order to be saved, you need to declare publicly that Jesus is Lord. Does this make sense? The term Lord is the Greek word Kyrios. And it is the term a slave gives to its owner. It's a term of full submission to someone who owns you. So if you were a slave, you were owned by your Lord. It was also the term given to the emperor where every citizen was deemed as being owned by him. So some emperors saw themselves as gods and demanded that people worship him. So by publicly declaring that Jesus is now your Lord, 
means that you surrender completely to him and nobody else. That was risky business. Because in Roman times, if you declared that Jesus is Lord, you're basically saying that the emperor isn't Lord, and therefore there is a death sentence on your head. Does that make sense? So by declaring Jesus Lord wasn't like an easy thing to do. It basically meant saying, I'm willing to lay down my life in order to follow Jesus. And what these guys and girls did this morning by getting baptised today, they were saying basically, by going down into the water, they're dying to their old way of life. They're recognising that they no longer are going to live for themselves anymore, but they're going to live for Jesus. It means that all the things that they wanted to do in terms of against God, they're saying, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live to please God. I want to live to please Jesus. See, just to confess Jesus is Lord and believing that he rose Jesus from the dead isn't good enough just to say, well, I'm saved now. Actually, by confessing Jesus Lord, you're saying, no, I'm going to leave my old way of life behind. and I'm going to follow hard after Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, then pick up your cross. Are you willing to die for me? Are you ready to be persecuted and hated because you want to follow me? That's how hard following Jesus is. Now, clearly, we're not living in the Roman society. Okay, We're not facing the same kind of problems that the Christians did then. But you need to know that in choosing to follow Jesus means that you're going to make him Lord of every part of your life. Now, you may not have any other masters that you serve in order of people, but there may be things in your lives that will take the place of God. It may be your career. It, it may be your family or your, your hobby. It may be a football team, like that great football team, Crystal Palace. That's quite easy not to follow so much. It may be wealth. It may be some kind of addiction. The list goes on and on. You know, when I first became a Christian, you may think this is a small thing, but I was heavily into heavy metal. I know it's hard to believe looking at me now. But the reason I identified with heavy metal was because I was an atheist and I hated Jesus. And there was something about heavy metal which was anti-Jesus. Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, ACDs, all those groups they were angry groups and they were opposed to a lot of the things that um, I believe now. And I had, had all their posters up on the wall. I used to listen to their records. But when I became a Christian, I just felt God say to me, listen, I'm not going that way. That's not the way I'm going anymore. So you have a choice. And I knew at that point I had to basically stop being involved in that kind of music. That was just for me personally. I'm not saying that's for everybody, but that's what... I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, there was a cost in following Jesus. You think that's a bit of a small cost, but it was still a cost. At that time, for me, it was a cost. For you, it may be something else. It could be that you fear death this morning and what's beyond. It may be that you're here this morning and you're dissatisfied with life. I thought what someone said this morning in their testimony that they thought there must be more to life than this. And it may be you this morning. You may be here and this is the first time you've heard this story. 
and you're thinking to yourself, there must be more to life. This can't be it. I can't believe I could just live, die, and that's it, nothing else. I want to tell you this morning that only in Jesus Christ can true life be found. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to tell you this morning that there is a glorious Father in heaven who made you, who created you, and he wants to know you personally. But it's only through Jesus Christ that you can know him. And there's a choice to be made. Do you choose to follow Jesus? Because it's only in him that there's true life. Jesus said this in Matthew 7. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. That's the news this morning. The, the gate is narrow. It's a tough road to, to lead. But you know what? There's life there. There's glorious eternal life. So, in summary, what have we learned this morning? Firstly, we have the best news ever. That in Jesus Christ, we can know the Father. In Jesus Christ, we can have all our sins wiped away. In Jesus Christ, we can have eternal life. Secondly, it's okay if you feel weak, timid, and trembling. You're in good company. It's okay because the power of the Holy Spirit will fill you and give you the strength that you need. Thirdly, salvation has nothing to do with you, but all to do with the power of the Holy Spirit. There's only one Savior, and he's called Jesus. Fourthly, it's a plain and simple message. But fifthly, it's a tough and demanding message. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. If you want to receive faith this morning, then just open your heart to hear the words that have been said this morning. And through it, you can know eternal life. So if you're here this morning and you'd like to just know more about Jesus, then I'm just going to pray for you. And then I'd love to speak to you afterwards. I'd love to tell you more about what it is to know Jesus. You heard six stories this morning of people's lives who have been radically changed by Jesus. I'm sure they would love to tell you more about that. But I'm just going to pray now. If I just ask the musicians to come forward, just to lead us in one last song. But why don't we just close our eyes? Let's close our eyes and let's just pray. Father, I want to thank you for the good news of your son. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave up the best so that we could have the best. Lord, I thank you that in Jesus there is life. There's fullness of life. There's everlasting life. And Father, I choose to put my trust in you. I choose to turn away from my old life and I choose to give you my life, Lord. I confess that Jesus is Lord and that you, Father, raised him 
from death to life, and that in you I'm saved. Amen. Amen. If you said amen to that prayer for the first time, then come and speak to me afterwards. We'd love to pray for you. But we're going to finish off by singing this last song. Let's stand. If you'd like to be prayed for for anything, for healing or anything else, then we'd love to pray for you. Come and see me afterwards. Come and stand at front. We'd love to pray for you.